the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good works. Obedience to the law. Obviously, it can't save you. So why was the law given? Ah, glad you asked. We'll spend some time taking a look at the answer next. And again, welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, as he continues his survey of Galatians and our series, The Gospel Brings Freedom, brings us to an all-important question. Why did God give the law if the law cannot save you? (laughs) We have some answers from the Apostle Paul and the book of Galatians. Won't you join us? With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Turn, if you will, to Galatians. I am so glad that I'm getting to preach the Bible. I'm telling you, the Bible just turns me every way but loose. And, uh, uh, you know, you all are sick of me. You're sick of my jokes, humor, accent face, but what's fresh is the Word of God. The Word of God, I mean, can you imagine anybody standing, uh, a stand-up comedy you'd have to hear every week for years? But see, we got a book, a book that's been breathed out by God, and if you ever get addicted to the Word of God, you have found the uh, treasure chest where God just talks to you continually. And, uh, and you know what, uh, conservatives, we struggle with this. Can I ever say God talks to me? Well, I hope so. I don't need to eat pizza to get him to talk to me and, and stay up all night. He talks to me anytime I crack this book. Because it, if you read the book of Hebrews, it's a present tense. God is saying to us, and he might be quoting a psalm that was a thousand years old. But God's Word constantly talks to us. It's ongoing. We don't need a present-day revelation out of the third heaven. That is a revelation from God. I encourage you to read your Bible this year. How are you doing on that? Just three chapters a day keeps the devil away. Uh, If you'll do that, uh, I was talking to the men this weekend. Let me say this. I'm in the book of Deuteronomy. Now I'm getting ready to start that been reading the Old Testament. Uh, I, 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 I hate to say this to some of you because it's gonna, you're really going to just say, I'm showing my cover here. When you're in the book of Numbers, don't read all the genealogies for 10 chapters and wonder why you're not edified. <laughs> How do I? I don't want to know all the kids of Simeon. I don't really want to know all your kids' names. Unless they're heavy donors. You know what you know what I mean. You know. Uh, kind of get smart in Bible reading. Uh, read. You want to get the storyline. You want to move. And, and uh, when you're in Leviticus, don't 
don't go and join the butcher's union. I mean, it's, it's what they did in ceremonial law. It's how they dealt with an animal, how they are. There are many beautiful pictures there, but kind of pick it up. Uh, I feel sorry for you new believers that said, where do you start reading? Genesis. And boy, by the time they're to Exodus 20, and they start reading of all the laws, and they get into Leviticus, we've lost them. And so uh, just kind of pick up the pace where uh, there's a lot of uh, data, a lot of numbers, how many people. Get through that as quick as you want to get to the storyline as much as you can. So I encourage you, uh, read the Bible. Uh, God will talk to you. We're going to look at verse 15 through um, 25. Let me just begin. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Oh, I've got to stop right there. If, you don't, if you've never mentioned, what's this all about? The Apostle Paul is dealing uh, with some Jewish so-called believers that have come and said to his converts, the Galatians, who were primarily Gentiles, some Jewish, that uh, you can be saved, but believing in Christ alone was not enough. You needed to add the Mosaic law, circumcision rites, uh, dietary rules, a Sabbath keeping. In other words, it's not enough to say Christ alone solves the sinner's problem. You must go a step further and add basically an orthodox Jewish way of life. And um, Paul is explaining, no, that Jesus Christ, if anything needs to be added to what Christ did on the cross, it's an insult to what God accomplished in the cross. If God didn't take care of our sin problem there, keeping a few rules certainly won't take care of it because eventually we'll break the rules. So he's really saying Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross is everything that needs to be done to take care of your sin problem and to make you a child of God. So now he's giving a doctrinal uh, He was trained in the Jewish mind, a brilliant man under Gamaliel, an outstanding thinker. So it's almost like a lawyer's brief in chapters 3 and 4, just as Romans 1 through 8 is. He is logically defending everything against others who are Jewish, who were brilliant in the law also. And so this debate is going on. You need to, so he's involved in that argument. He first of all said, did you Galatians come to faith in Christ and come to know God by keeping the law or by faith? And he says it over and over. Did you get the spirit by keeping the law or by believing the gospel? Then he runs to someone that really changes the argument. He runs back to Abraham and not to Moses. And he's saying what our identity as believers is with Abraham, not Moses. Moses and I are not kin folks. Never will be, never care to be. He'll be in heaven. But I'm not of Moses, but I am related to Abraham. Yes, sir. Just chew that in your little pipe all you want. I'm related to Abraham. I'm tied into him. And he's saying all true believers have a spiritual kinship with Abraham, not genetically, 
but through faith. We hold that virtue in common. And it's like we're in this family. There's two families in the earth, as it were. One that doesn't believe God and one that does. And all who come to really believe in the true and living God, including his son Christ, they are part of the children God promised Abraham. Now he picks up this argument. He's going to go, two things he's going to show us today. First of all, first three verses, he's going to say, The covenant God made with Abraham is superior to the covenant he made through Moses. One's called the Abrahamic covenant, the other's called the law. And he's going to say, what he did with Abraham is far superior than what he made with Moses. Then the question is thrown out there. Well, is the law from God? Is the law evil? Why then the law? You're just trashing the law. You're just saying we don't even need the law. No, 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 no. Let me tell you why God gave the law. Let me tell you the purpose of the law. And he's going to explain that. And then we're going to conclude with why God gave us promises. See, when God's dealings with Abraham was based upon promise, his dealing through Moses was based upon legal obedience to the commands of God. So let's pick it up now. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 22. That's where you find that. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, and, but, and to your seed, singular, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later. Let me just throw this in for you. There's a debate here. The time from Abraham to the law was over 600 years. So some scholars debate this. But the Abrahamic covenant was repeated to Isaac and to Jacob. From Jacob to this time was around 430 years. So many Bible scholars say the time he must have began with the death of Jacob. So we wind up with 430 years. But this covenant that came 430 years later did not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it is no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What is he saying? God's promise to bless the nations through Abraham was not by means of the law, but through a promised seed through Jesus Christ himself. That would be the one that the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham would see his blessing extend to the Gentiles. So the Mosaic law had nothing to do with getting the gospel to the nations. But he said it was included in the promise to Abram. So he he wants you to know that. So he says God's promise to Abraham 
is valid even to today. Because this was the Jewish argument. Yeah, God kept that promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then it stopped. And now we're under Moses. He's arguing, no, no, no. The promise looked forward to the seed, Messiah, that would come out of Abraham. And in that seed, Messiah, the nations would be blessed through him. Thus, through Abraham, through Christ, now to the nations. He goes on to say, God's fulfillment of this promise is in Christ, and it's a covenant that cannot be added to nor taken away from. So the law of Moses cannot undo the promise God made to Abraham to bless all the nations. And what was the principle? How will he bless the nations? I'll bless you just like Abraham. What? To father nations? No, no. I made a promise to Abraham. I told him I could prosper him and make his seed like the heavens. And he believed my promise. And the reward for believing that promise is I said, I want to declare you to be right in my sight. That same promise, that same principle is the principle being carried over in salvation anywhere you find it in the Bible. God's never saved anybody by the law, but he has saved them by promise. When you believe God, God declares you to be right. And this is being exemplified to the fullest measure through Jesus Christ in the nations. Believe Christ. Believe in him. Just as Abraham believed the promise God gave him. And you'll be declared in the right. And you'll become a part of the faith family. Related even all the way back to Abraham. But he's arguing here that a covenant cannot be added to are taken away. And he goes on to say, if the inheritance depended on the law, it would not be based upon promise. But in grace, God is saving us by promise, not by keeping the law. I'm saved on a promise. I'm not saved by a promise I make to keep the law. I'm saved on God's promise. If you believe, I'll declare you righteous. I'm not saved by, I'll keep your law, and then you'll save me. I put down the subtitle, Are We Saved by Performance or by Promise? And that's the thing we've got to keep looking at. So he says, but God in his grace, he gave it to Abraham through a promise. Well, then he, he, he raises the question, well, why did he give us the law? Uh, where would you go in your Bible to find the law? What the law is he talking about? Laws of California? Where, where would you read that? Oh, I'm so glad you know. Leviticus, you start with Exodus. He gave him the law, Exodus 20, 10 commandments. Don't stop there because he adds 203 other commandments as he completes Exodus. So the last 20 chapters are the law. And he inserts the tabernacle. You pick up Leviticus. He describes a burnt offering. Leviticus 17, the day of atonement. Leviticus, he just develops all of the ceremonial aspect of the house of Aaron, the tribe of Levi. 
He's telling you all the ramifications of the law. Israel was a theocracy. God was meant to be their king. They didn't need Saul. They didn't need David. But they wanted a human leader. And God condescended to give them what they asked. But God, this is a divine legislation. And I am the owner of the land. And this is the rental agreement, Israel. If you don't keep the rental agreement, I'm going to remove you from the land. You want a good example of that? God told Israel, every seventh year, let the land rest. Six years you can harvest, but the seventh year, you just let it lie fallow. You remember that? No, you don't, because you didn't even know where this was found. But it's in the Bible. You let the land lie fallow. On the seventh year. Now, do you think they like that legislation? Guess what God did in the sixth year? He'd give them a bumper crop. It'd be double. Double what they normally had. Guess how their mind thought? Well, man, we had such a crop last year. We must cultivate again this year. Just to go a year without... We want to increase our bounty. And they didn't keep the Sabbath... For 490 years. Isn't that amazing? God is slow to collect rent, but he does collect it. And he told Israel through Jeremiah and through Daniel, I'm going to put you in Babylon for 70 years to collect my back rent. You didn't let the land lie fallow for 70 years. You owe me 70 years. And I'm going to take you off the land for 70 years, and then I'll bring you back. Other words, this land, and if you read the Palestinian covenant, Deuteronomy 28, 29, there's blessings and curses if you keep this. So he's raising the issue, uh, well, man, this is divine legislation. Did God speak through the law? Sure did. Now, the law is inferior to Abraham's covenant. He said, because the Abrahamic covenant had no mediator connected with it. It was just God spoke to Abraham, no middleman. But the Mosaic Covenant, God spoke to Moses, to the people, and rabbinic tradition and other verses bring about that angels were present. So they always thought of there was a mediator to bring the law to them. And now he's going to start describing the inferiority of the law and its purpose. It had a divine purpose, and he's going to let them know. I want to walk through. You don't want to get all these. Just get the big picture. I got nine things the law was about. And don't, don't get bored. Just get the points, okay? Because you need to know this. You say, well, I'm not even under it. Why should I know it? You should know it. Because there's a principle to it. Watch what he says. The law was added. Watch this. We'll pick up in 19. What then was the purpose of the law, the Mosaic law? It was added. Added to what? One thing, it was added after promise had already been made, and you can't nullify the promise. You see, this thing's been ratified by God. God took an oath on top of what he said to Abram in chapter 22. He said, I promise, since I have no one greater than myself, I put an oath on top of the promise. Abram, I'm going to do what I told you. Now, when Moses comes along, none of that's going to touch what he promised to Abraham. It's an unconditional promise. It's why I believe there's a future for Israel. It's why I believe in a thousand-year reign. It's why I believe Israel will still get that land far beyond the Gaza Strip. 
because the promise has not yet seen its fulfillment and God doesn't make any promises he cannot keep. So I believe there's a future for Israel. And so he goes on to say, uh, is the law opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. Now I'll reach back to 19 since I lost my place. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed. Now look at that. There's a time limit. It was added until the seed. Who's the seed? Christ. So it, it was born with a time limit to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect to angels by mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. That's a difficult verse. There's over 400 interpretations on verse 20. And don't track them down. It's not worth it. Um, I'll tell you where to read later. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Follow with me quickly here. Turn to Romans 3, because Galatians and Romans tells you the purpose of the law. Right now, I'm listening. I can't hear anything. Romans 3, verse 19. We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. God gave the law to shut up the world. You see that? Have you shut up yet? And this is about saying I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm a good guy. The law says, if you look right back here, because he makes the law refer to the Psalms, Mosaic law. Listen to what the law says. uh, Verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even. Is that true? There's no one righteous. Not one. Does that include you? Okay, thank you. There is no one who understands. And what does that mean? No one understands God. Oh, they understand how to get to the moon. They just don't know the God who made the moon. They don't understand God, what God's up to, what he's about. No one who seeks God. I'm so sick of that. I'm just a seeker. For what? Buddha? You never sought God a day in your life. You're a strayer, not a seeker. So get over All men are searching for God. Oh, get out of here. Did any of you find God because you went on this journey and quest? I want to know God. No, no, no. I want to do my own thing from the crown of my head to my navel. I am committed to me. God found you. 
And with that, we come to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Our thanks to you for joining us today. It is our hope and prayer. You've been encouraged, especially as we take our time going through the book of Galatians. If you'd like a copy of today's message or the series today's program was taken from, feel free to contact us and mention it by name. The Gospel Brings Freedom. That's the title of the series, or simply mention today's date for a copy of today's program. And we'll get a copy out to you. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. I will also link you in to our church website as well here at Valley Bible Church. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. As we conclude our time together today, I would remind you that if you would like to become a supporter of Truth For Today, we have, right on through March of 2017, a donor who's willing to match dollar for dollar any contribution raised, again, through March of 2017. So would you consider sending along a donation today? If the broadcast has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to hear from you as well. Whether or not you support us financially, we would love to know how this program ministers to you and blesses you and strengthens you in your relationship with Christ. Take a moment. Get a hold of us today at 855-833-9864 or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, and that's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Or simply stop by our website and drop us an email. Again, the web address, truthfortodayradio.org. We do thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.